0: Hey team, this is Wayne Smith and this is the Olympia Boxing Podcast. Hope you're all good and uh, all enjoying yourself and uh, the isolation's been kind to you and uh, everyone's slowly starting to get back together. So this week got a great guest. This is part one of, um, we're going to do a couple of uh, pods on this because of such big stories. Um, But today I've got James Cullen on the podcast and james cullen um was basically the guy who spearheaded the olympia boxing who created who found it and um and uh, myself and lee worked alongside to grow it before i took the lead in it but james was behind full the, the beginning of it and james like he was like we'll talk about uh, he he started. He was the Kent boxing development officer, and then he turned into the Southern Counties Club support officer, and then roles. Um, and he's got great stories from where he come and and what he's done. Like he he was a he was a games maker at the 2012 Olympic Games, where he where he he saw some great stuff with the legends that we know now of Lomachenko, Anthony Joshua, after the gold medal, Nickel Adams, Casey Taylor stuff like that so it's in for a real treat this is a great podcast so sit back there is a couple of hiccups that we're trying to edit out and so just stay with it hope you enjoy let's talk some boxing hey james how you doing yeah good wayne yeah how's it going Good, not bad, mate. Not bad. I was just listening there. There was a little bit of fuzziness, but it's uh, it's all it's all disappeared. Good stuff. We're all connected then, mate. How are you? Is everything good? Yes, yeah, spot on, mate. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, just enjoying lockdown. You know, enjoying lockdown. How's the family? How are you all coping?
1: Yeah, yeah. Climbing the walls, mate. You know what I mean? And got a bit of cabin <laughs> fever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I like, understand. I was like thirty-six weeks pregnant now, so pretty uncomfortable, mate. But yeah, um, I was, yeah and um yeah. uh yeah, so it's good fun, mate, with a three-year-old toddler and a thirty-six-year-old pregnant wife. Like you know, what I mean,
0: that's yeah, it. that's why you're getting up so <laughs> early to do all your training, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bit of me time. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> it. Yeah. How's your training been going? I've been following it. It's doing uh, right.
1: Yeah. trying my best, mate. Honest to God, like I. I scared myself the the week, I weighed in on Sunday a few weeks ago,
0: yeah. and
1: uh, I think I came in at 13 stone 7, I think oh. it was something like 87 kilo, and to put that in perspective, when I boxed, uh, when I boxed, I weighed in at like 73, yeah, 73 so mate, yeah. it, it scared me like, you know what I mean, I just thought, this is ridiculous now, I've got to do something, um, never been that heavy in my life.
0: So, I'd, um, love to, been... I'd love to be 89 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative, mate. It's all relative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your yeah, big bones, mate. Do. Your big bones. Yeah, right? that's <laughs> what they say. Yeah, yeah. Just got a heavy fridge, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> well, well it mate, is mate at the remember? beginning of the week. Hey? Yeah, no, good, good. Yeah, it's been all right. Um, right. I've I've got right into the um cycling at the minute. Like This week, I've done... I've done 35 miles up to today. Tomorrow, um, to, I'm having day off. I have done 10 miles last night, and I'm having today off because my legs are a bit tender. And I'm going to go around Beale Water tomorrow, oh, which is lovely, 13 that Beale, miles. Oh, i have not done it. We we walked we walked a bit of it with Frank the dog um, a few years back, but I've only ever been there once in my life. So I'm going to go up there tomorrow and ride around it because it's um, nice ride. So everyone tells me. So I'm going to go give it ride, a go. So. Good distance, yeah. So yeah, thirteen it's, yeah. miles, I think, isn't
1: it. Something like that, or maybe I think that's mm. K. I think it might be thirteen K. I think so. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. okay, Hannah 13. done a bit of marathon training around there, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it's yeah, good. that's
0: right, yeah, yeah. When she you knew, walked with the in laws, that's right. Yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's She caught you up. No, good stuff. No, I remember that. So um no good, mate. It's brilliant to get you on though. It's brilliant to get you on on the podcast and uh we can talk about how everything how everything started as uh you were at the forefront of of where we are now with Olympia so um, it's going to be this is going to be a great little chat and for the for the audience that have been following all our work and that um, it's going to be great to hear from from you so they get to know you a bit as well so if we start with um, like if you want to tell everyone who you are and what your background is and then we'll go from there and then we'll go into your roles and stuff that you've done
1: Yeah, yeah, great um, so uh, I am a former um boxing development officer for kent um i am a former club support officer for southern counties so when i began those roles i used to work for what was then the aba which Mm -hmm. um uh some young people listening might not know uh is now called england boxing um so when i left that role it was called england boxing and the kind of transition happened when i when i was there so uh, yeah. So, so I, you know, that, that was my former role. I started that role 2011, uh, worked for ABA England boxing for three years. And then I worked for Kent sport, uh, for the year after that. Yeah. Uh, and then, it-
0: yeah. And then go and then moved in like that, wasn't it? So you you're originally from the Wirral, aren't you? Up in Liverpool, up, up in Merseyside, didn't you?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so my my kind of boxing journey began really in a, a little club called West Wirral, um, which was uh, yeah, it was basically just a, a glorified shed, really. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I probably stepped into that gym when I was about twelve years old, I think. Um And I was so into sport, like when I was a kid, uh, probably like a lot of people who are listening. Like, I just wanted to do everything. So, you know, boxing was something that my dad had done, and so I wanted to get involved. So I went down. To- oh, did
0: your dad box? I never know that. Did yeah, he, box, he
1: boxed. Did yeah, he boxed. Yeah, and um, so I, I kind of, I, I kind of wanted to do it. You know, and I kind of got into West Wirral, which you yeah. know holds a special place in my heart, really. That club, mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I was, yeah, it was about twelve, and I, I think. I just trained, really, Wayne, to be honest with you. I love the fitness. I love the feel of the gym. I love the smell of it and the, yeah. the stink of it, you know what I mean, and everything that went yeah. with it, really. But,
0: I'm missing that right now.
1: I bet you people are, People
0: said to me, yeah, people said to me, what are you missing? I said, funny, strangely enough, right, if someone that hasn't really got no sense of smell, I always smell the gym. I can always smell the gym, and I'm kind of missing it at the minute. It's true, isn't <laughs> it? It's true. It's true.
1: It's so true, and you can't. You can't recreate that anywhere else either, no. you know what I mean? Like just the, no. just the smell of your hands when you take the old gloves off and that, you know what I mean? And yeah. then everything about it, you know, and just, you know, yeah, there's something about it. I think with St. Mary's as well, like, it's very similar in that respect because, you know, it was the old concrete floor and you get condensation up the walls. And... Yeah. So, yeah, so Westworld was, like, the first place it all began for me. But I, I was never committed enough to box to actually compete.
0: Is it still open now? Is it's the club that, still running? I believe
1: so. Yeah, I believe so. Mm. I, I, I believe so. Very small club, mate. Very small club.
0: Is that? Um, is it? No, the is that that club that Masha Dodd came from? No, that was Birkin Adventure. Because so, from.
1: Yeah. So, so, so the guys that I had boxing around me at a time, West Wirral. Um, uh, there was a lad called McDonald, Nicky McDonald. You may you may not know him, um, but he was mm. on for uh, well, he was he was at England and GB until he broke his thumb before the Commonwealth Games. I think that was around, oh, I don't know, around about two thousand and two. I think it was, mm. um, and he uh, he went off the rails a bit, and dropped off, and then when I moved from Westworld to Vauxhall ABC, uh, Vauxhall Motors, which is now mm. which is now World Community uh abc ah, yeah right
0: that's the one um, i was thinking of. so
1: yes yeah, so so you had a good few boxers coming out of uh what was voxels such as for example paul butler so he was, he, butler, he was a yeah. few years younger than me uh but uh yeah he he was there at the club and it, quite surprising really like i mean he was a good boxer but he was, he was terribly committed like but you never thought he was that special and then you know it wasn't until his later teens really that he started to you know, come about. Um, Late mature, yeah, up. and of course, Mashadod Dodd. He hadn't even begun boxing, did he? He didn't even. Yeah, begin I was and...
0: thinking that was where he came from, wasn't it? Was Mashadod Dodd? That was the same club, wasn't it? Birken Adventure. It was
1: Birkin yeah. Adventure, mate. So it, it ah. was a, it was a strange one, really. I, the only reason why I know Mashadod Dodd is because uh I have got a mate of a mate, really, who uh, used to deal yeah. drugs with him. <laughs> <was> yeah. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so that. <laughs> And uh, and I think honestly, God, I'm not even joking. I think when they when they were high once, they just thought, "Oh, we'll go down to the boxing club and you know, Masha Dodd, like he turned his life around with that place, you know." And uh, yeah, yeah, credit to him.
0: No, good. He's always good to watch. He's entertainment value. He? I mean, that's for sure. He is. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So you, um, how did you end up in Kent?
1: Yeah, brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So I was working as a personal trainer uh, up in Liverpool, and I was working at uh, David Lloyd in Speak. At the time, oh, okay. and uh, a place called Speak in Liverpool, which is uh, you, we nickname it Costa del Speak, um, yeah, because it's uh, it's about as far away from Costa del Sol as you can probably get. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a it's a rough place, mate. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. I was working there at the time as a personal trainer, and um, and I, I was literally just just scanning online, and I came across this UK sport website, and it god almighty Wayne. honestly it was like um it was like a bolt of lightning just hit me mate it was it opened my eyes i never even knew jobs like that existed do you know what i mean I, I, yeah you know not yeah. many people did and and suddenly i had this thing it was like boxing development officer I Thought boxing development officer i, thought, I looked at the, the the job spec and i thought this is like my dream job it's honest to god it was like someone mm. had just written down my dream job and and yeah. then the fact that it was in Kent, I didn't really care, man. I didn't know anybody in Kent, I'd never been there yeah. in my life, do you know what I mean, and I, I just didn't I didn't care, I, I had to go for it, so I applied, and I gave it everything I had, I, I mean, I didn't really have any credentials for it, to be honest, other than the fact that I'd done a little bit of amateur boxing in clubs, and that I was a personal trainer, and you know what I mean, that was it really. Anyway, I got an interview in Kent and that was the end of 2010. And I'll never forget the first interview I was supposed to have uh, was a, um, a terrible snowstorm. And, and Kent, I've never seen snow like I have in Kent. I don't know what it is with Kent, <laughs> but God Almighty, when you get snow, it's ridiculous. Anyway, I yeah, couldn't, I couldn't yeah. get there. I couldn't get there. Like, obviously, others could, you know, because they were local. But anyway, mm. all the travel was off. So I was, I was absolutely devastated. I thought it would never happen. Anyway, so I managed to get this one interview literally before Christmas, 2010. And then on the 19th of December, I'll never forget, I got this phone call, mate. And, uh from the aba and i said yeah we'd like to offer you a position and uh honestly god mate i uh, had the best christmas ever <laughs> was, yeah uh, yeah it, awesome. it was
0: awesome it was a dream come true and I, I didn't have a clue what i was getting myself in for was it ron that was it ron that
1: interviewed you as well no ron ron was no was nowhere near the picture at that point uh no oh, no no okay. so back in the day you had a uh, paul king who as it happens was a scouser um who was chief executive yeah, yeah. and uh People have lots of stories about Paul King. Yeah, um, I've heard a few.
0: <laughs> so Paul,
1: <laughs> Paul King was chief, exec, uh, uh, chief executive at the time, and a lady called Rebecca uh, was um, basically managing the ship. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but, it, it, yeah, it was, it was just an amazing time, really. And, and to this day, I'm incredibly privileged to have held that role. Um, it was the first of its kind. It never, never happened before. And mm, so, yeah, that's right. So, I packed all my bags, mate. I drove down to Kent. Uh, didn't have a clue what I was getting myself in for. Um, never been there before, didn't know anybody. Uh, me and Hannah, uh, my missus and my now wife, uh, drove down there to look for a place to live. Uh, we looked first place, we looked was Ashford, bloody hell, mate. And uh, honestly, God, I, I think I was looking at places like 400 pound rent, you know, what I mean, uh, a month. Mm. and uh that was an eye-opener <laughs> so yeah. yeah so i i retreated <laughs> to uh to maidstone area um yeah and it was a funny thing because i pulled up outside um simon miller don't know if you know it mate it's an estate agent yeah. yeah simon miller yeah. i pulled up outside uh simon miller to collect the keys from a new flat and um I had, a, uh, I had a black van at the time, so I just pulled up this black van outside the, the estate agents, went in to collect the keys, sign all the papers and stuff and he was asking me a few questions at the time in the estate agents and he said um, he said, so what is it you do for a living? I said um, I'm a boxing development officer now in Aylesford area like Maidstone, they've got quite a lot of factories around there, you know like, like yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. So, know yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so he nodded, he was like, ah oh, a boxing development officer and he genuinely thought that i uh, that i that i pack things into boxes and so <laughs> so he turned to me and he said um he said oh you mustn't have had any problems with that then and he nodded toward the van he said you know packing all your gear and i was, I, I just sat there confused anyway i carried on signing the papers i thought what's he talking about and i said no mate i said i said boxing the sport he was like really i said yeah he said well that, that job exists he didn't believe, he did not believe <laughs> Wayne that I had this job. Do you know what I mean? He was like, yeah, it was like it was like alien to him. I said, Yeah, you know, like the sport, like the Olympic sport. And and the thing is, mate, it was it was so unheard of, you know, this idea. Because mm. amateur boxing, as we all know, is like 99.9% vol- volunteer. Yeah. You know, there's, there's yeah. no money in the sport, it's the most resourceful sport in the world. And the idea of someone being employed you know, actually have a job to go and help these clubs was like, it was totally alien. Um,
0: Yeah. So that was my first day in Kent, mate. Yeah. And that was your first day in Kent. So you, that role, like you just, that was the only role in the country, wasn't it? As a development officer, there wasn't, there wasn't like, like what I'm getting at is now like each region's got a club support officer, which you became, but you were the very first, weren't you? Not,
1: not quite. It was, um, it was oh. a bit of a, a, a mixed bag at the time, Wayne, to be honest. So yeah. without going into it too much, um, you had, although the ABA employed these people, right, the ABA might mm. only have paid like 50% of their wages. And right. then the other 50% of the wages came from local authorities and councils yeah. or housing organizations or whatever it may be. But basically, the ABA were lucky because they leveraged what they could, and they they claimed people as their employees, and and yeah. so what you had at the time was a very it, it was like a patchwork quilt. Basically, you looked at the UK, and it was it was just strange, mate. Like Bolton had its own development officer, uh, oh, and that okay. was mainly because of Amir Khan. Because what had happened yeah. was that Bolton Council had decided right amir khan is like our you know our pin-up poster boy yeah we want everyone in Bolton to try and replicate and follow him we've got a lot of asian community who want a box so we're going to put some money into it so it was random makes you used to have this one guy um (laughs) he was an absolute character who uh you know called mark his name was mark and, and he, was, he was the Bolton Boxing Development Officer, mate. Yeah, I think he only looked after about four clubs, I think. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah, and, and then you had, like, one in Sheffield, because obviously that was the ABA headquarters. Yeah. Um, and that, at the time, was uh, a guy called Paul Porter, who later became yeah. Chief Executive of England Boxing um, and then worked for AIBA. Uh, very special guy. I
0: think he's gone a cycling now. He has, yeah. Up in up in Scotland, cycling, yeah, yeah, man. yeah.
1: But he's a, yeah, he is a legend, Paul Porter. He's a very special guy. So yeah, he was Sheffield uh development officer at the time. Um and then later went to Bradford and he opened up uh Bradford Police
0: uh
1: college. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. the college, That's yeah. It.
1: Um so yeah, but, yeah, so it was a patchwork quilt, like really, it was very random, but uh, uh I was the first one in the southern counties, yeah.
0: Yeah, you were the first one there. So, what do, What did you? What was your role basically? What did? What did it? What did it consist of? What did you have to do for the clubs? Yeah. So, so very simply, when I first went into the
1: role, two thousand eleven, people probably remember this because it was a year before the Olympic Games. Yet, yeah, so it was. Yeah. It was a very exciting time for for all of us, really. But um, boxing wasn't really on the map. It, it, you know, not until uh, we won those medals, really. Um so it was very simple, really. We had this plan, it was um it was grow, sustain, excel. Okay. So growth Mm -hmm. participation, that was the big thing, you know. Basically, the way that I was measured in that role was how many people are boxing in Kent. That's it. Okay. So it and that didn't really matter whether or not that was in a club. Or, in a college or in a school or in a in a, a youth centre, it didn't really matter um, it It just mattered that when Sport England made random phone calls across the country and someone picked up the phone and they were between the ages of fourteen and twenty five when Sport England asked them what you do in terms of sport, if they said boxing, that was a tick in a box
0: yeah so
1: so it, it, you know that was the grow element and then the idea of the sustain element was basically okay how are you going to keep those people in the sport you know so if you've gone with a pack of pads and gloves into a youth center you've given loads of kids like a load of boxing and they've loved it what are you going to do then so the idea was how are you going to get them to a local club yeah uh, and so that was my job so how are you going to filter those into into a local club Mm. And then and then have them you know stay in the sport. And then in terms of Excel, I mean that that was probably the least amount that that I was involved in. Um, yeah. Because Excel, obviously, as we all know, in boxing, kind of looks after itself. Do you know what I mean? There's not an awful lot you can do. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, especially back then, because there wasn't the kind of talent pathways that we have now. Um, you know, back in 2011, which surprised people because it wasn't that long ago, but. You know, it was very simple. Uh, you know, England scouts would come and watch the semi-finals and the finals of every championship. And that was pretty much it. Do you know what I mean? And, and if you weren't there, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, you, you never, never go looking. Look in, yeah, really. right. and,
1: and, and that was because there was so few... It was The resources were so thin on the ground. You yeah. had basically two coaches, one in the north and one in the south, who were trying to look after the... the excel part you know the elite part of england of england yeah. boxing really
0: now cool oh excellent so and what did so the, at the time you were in kent so I can't, uh, there's 30 clubs in kent yeah. isn't there um so you covered all them clubs and you just assisted and helped them with with whatever they needed really didn't you? um just to, like you say, up, up the participation helped them with funding and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I tried to, mate. I tried to, yeah. Tried to, tried to. Kent holds a very special place, you know, in my heart, really. it's um yeah. Those days were, you know, were, were just fantastic, really. I It was a real big privilege. I used to drive around the county and, and meet with, well, I met with every club, do you know what I mean? And um, I'd meet with them yeah. as often as I could. And, and and then I just try my best to to help them.
0: Yeah, but, it's, but the, the people like the the old, say so the old school, as they say. But people that were around when you were around still ask about you today. How are you doing and everything like that because they know I keep in contact with you and that. So they often ask, like, oh, "Have you spoken to James lately? How's he doing and stuff like that." So you were obviously done. You obviously done a good job, mate, and was well thought of. No, it was. So that it was, was lovely. The, so why while you were here you joined Westry, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. So
1: so I went round mm. every every single club in Kent and uh Yeah. Um I uh yeah and and there was some, you know, just brilliant stories to be had, like, you know what I mean? and and uh I obviously at the same time I wanted to try and keep keep my hand in, do you know what I mean? Keep my own hand in basically yeah. Because you know, I, I thought there was there was a few different things going on there, but obviously I wanted to keep fit, and I I love boxing myself, and I didn't really want to give that up. At the same time, as well, like I, I wanted to sort of try and gain a mutual respect. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, I'd never I'd never ever be, you know, asking anyone to do something that I wasn't prepared to do myself. Do you know what I mean? That's, you know, yeah. and, and that's a big thing, really. And I think a lot of the empathy, you know, uh, for me to be able to go into a boxing club and really get a feel for what they're going through and you know what they need i think for me i wanted to be on the receiving end you know it was important for me to walk into a club be treated like any other participant you know what i mean like any other boxer right um yeah. you know no different to anybody else and and then and then basically just just see like the struggles you know what i mean like see the struggles of the club like you know what are we going through what do people need And 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 it was yeah. very important to me and so after I'd gone through all the clubs, probably took me about five or six months, really, to get around everyone. Um, obviously, West Street was the closest to me. Uh, you had Maidstone mm. Gurkhas as well. And um, it, it was purely because of the times of the training. So Maidstone Gurkhas would be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. West Street would be Tuesday, Thursday, unless you were boxing, and then you do an extra night. Yeah. So Tuesday, Thursday fitted. And then that meant that the other three nights, I was out on the road. So I, I, you know, yeah. so a lot of other clubs would train on on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and it would mean that would work perfectly for me because you know when I wasn't boxing myself, I'd be on the road going to visit clubs, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, join join Westry, um, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love the club, like you know, what I mean, it was, uh, it's a very special place, um. Yeah, still is, mate. Still is They've got a great little club. Yeah. They? So, so yeah. So, great guys. Know, I, I went there and I was just just embraced from the word go. Really, you know what I mean? Like Eddie Henderson, he's he's you know one of the most special people I've ever known. You know what I mean? He's um he's a very special person, and he just you know welcomed me with open arms, and um you know yeah. we we chatted and and just just had these stories. Really, you
0: know what I mean? I could just it was brilliant, and he I always loved listening to his stories. He's got some cracking stories. So when I when I first like got on the other side of the ropes and become a coach and competition secretary, Eddie helped me out a hell of a lot. He did. Um, like when I first started, like comp second and doing matching and stuff like that, I used to phone him a few times, like and ask his opinion. and He'd, he'd tell me who to steer clear of and um, and who was helpful, and he'd give me like the logo because he knew. Like, even like I don't know so much now because he still does the matching now, so I think he's still great with his. His knowledge in that respect, but he knew every boxer knew what they were like, like who was doing what and everything like that, like when we were matching. Um yeah, great knowledge of of that kind of that kind of side of it. And he always he's very helpful, he's always been out for He's a legend of a man. I saw him actually last weekend, I saw him in uh Morrison's doing his shopping.
1: Spot on. No, nah, he's like for yeah. me when I went to Kent, like as I say, I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends, no family there. I, all I did was work, mate Wayne. I, I had I had a one yeah, bedroom flat, yeah. mate, um, and all I did was work. I, I worked every day, every night, um, and you know Eddie for me was was like a father figure. Um, I, I yeah. mean, funny story, mate. The first ever time, right, I went to actually train at West Street. Right,
0: <laughs> mm.
1: it, they, they were still training at Heather House, which is um, on a yeah. on an estate in Maidstone, and. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, i'll never forget like it was the first time so i've been down to the club to obviously meet them and chat to them and talked you know in an aba capacity yeah but then you know the first time i yeah. went down with shorts and t-shirt and and you know and actually boxed i uh i, I was as i say i was in the van like you know i've been on the road like all day you know every day and um i, I knew that my uh my uh, my tank was low i knew that i was low on fuel right um but yeah. like if ever you've met like if any ever anyone's met little Brad from Westry, right, you will you'll, <laughs> you'll understand that um it was worth taking a risk just to be there on time. There was there was no chance <laughs> on my foot I was gonna be a minute late for Brad, right? Okay. So yeah, so I, yeah. I didn't care, mate. I must have got to the club on fumes, right? Absolutely yeah, rolled in yeah. there in neutral on fumes. And and I must be honest, mate. I kind of forgot right, so anyway, thank god, <laughs> right? Eddie like stayed late with me just chatting. We were just chatting, everyone else had left, right? Like Eddie and I yeah. were locking up and that, you know. What I mean, had a great session and we come out the club, like, you know. What I mean, and obviously, I'm trying to make a good impression. And uh, anyway, so you know, Eddie's there with like his old classic BMW and that, you know. What I mean, and I say to Ron, I say good night, and I got in the van, turned it, turned it, turned it, dead. Oh, you're joking. I got out, <laughs> tapped on Eddie's window. Uh, Eddie, so <laughs> <laughs> God love him. freaking, you know, got in his old BM and we drove down to the garage. Yeah. And bought myself a little, like, you know a little tank and then I filled it up and that, you know, and then he drove me back and I filled it up with fuel and honest to God, mate. Yeah. So that was my first ever night at West Street. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a fear yeah. of, 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 it was a it's fear memorable. Of Brad forever being late. You know what I mean? The wrath yeah, exactly. And to this day, I've got no regrets, mate. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I still made the uh... right decision. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's it. And your your picture is is on their wall still today. And what a picture yeah. that is after your bout that you had. Like the, uh, You look like you've been in a car crash, hadn't you? But do, you it's, it's, <laughs> do you know what? you know know.
1: I, I didn't think anyone's ever won a fight and looked so bad. Do you know what I mean? Like I I, it looked like it. It looked like a defended with my face. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, you know I mean? like you honestly would have thought I just had my hands down at my hips and just you know just went forward with with,
0: with my a face. Ding but, dong, yeah. you know, it,
1: it's a funny thing, and I, I don't know if any any boxers uh, out there are, are going to listen to this podcast, but um, you know, bo- boxing is a very very tough sport. It's a very tough sport, and yeah. and um, the truth is, I. Um, I love boxing, um, but you know I'm a very compassionate guy. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a very compassionate mm. guy, and people talk to you in boxing about you know having a killer instinct and you know the the fact that you need it to really get anywhere, you know. And um, I I think it's funny because I used to hate sparring. That's the truth. I I used to I used to yeah. hate sparring, Wayne. Like I I um I really I really found it very difficult uh, because. You know, there were lads that you used to, you know, there were there were mates, there were friends, you know, there were people who used to train beside every night and have the crack with, you know what I mean? And used to see them, you know, all the time. And and I I always found it difficult to separate the two. You know, the idea of being mates with yeah. someone, you know, and, and being like being like a,
0: yeah, like a teammate.
1: And then the next thing is the bell goes and you're in the ring and and you're having to dig in. And you know, I've got a lot of respect for people who can just flick that switch because it's important, yeah. boxing. You've got to do that, and 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 actually, I'd find competing and fighting far easier. It was a different, it was a different kettle of fish, and, and I think from my coaches, I understand that they they were very concerned about me. Do you know what I mean? Like I I get that because I wouldn't spar well yeah. at all. Do you know what I mean? And if you were a coach looking at me, you would be worried, okay? Um, and you know, you would be thinking, "Hang on, how's he going to fare in in a ring?" but you know but come fight like mm. when I was up against someone who I didn't know do you know what I mean who might as well have been my my arc enemy do you know what I mean I had no affiliation with them at all you know it was it was just very different it's like a bite down on my gum shield and I was a different person um, you know and I proved yeah. that you know what I mean and that's why uh, that's why I remain undefeated do you know what I mean <laughs>
0: That's it, mate. You remain undefeated. You're an undefeated. You got, got your, you got your zero, you, know, mate. Listen, mate. You know someone's always got to go. You know I me, and it's not mine. You know that's what. I yeah, say, that's it, know. yeah. So you're going to hold on to that for the rest of your days. Now you, you can have all your claim to fame. will either yeah. Undefeated. But what what I would say though, what I would say to any
1: uh, any young boxer or old boxer out there, um, is uh, don't don't ever box for somebody else you know you've got to do it for you like don't don't have, don't ever be box yeah 100 i would say this to coaches as well actually if any coaches are listening you know if you've got a boxer there and you think you know what like they're not doing this for themselves they're doing this for you know their grand their grandfather or their dad yeah, or, whatever, or their, you know their dad yeah you know we all know it. we've seen like a young girl get in the boxing ring do you know what i mean and and box her heart out and uh and she gets out and you know the grandfather's there you know first person to embrace her you know, telling her how wonderful she is, how proud of her, you know, like, you know, his little fighter, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, we can picture that as coaches in our mind. And, and, you know, that girl might not actually really want to box deep down, you know? No, that's right. Yeah,
0: you see it. But what they want is they crave
1: that you know, admiration and that and that love from their family and they feel like the only way they're gonna get yeah. it is to continue boxing. And and boxing is a terribly, yeah. terribly hard sport. You know, like that that 20 seconds of a hug and a kiss after a bout, you know, what's gone into that is is day after day after day after day of hard work and discipline and sacrifice, you know what I mean? And it's you know, so I, I think my advice to any coach or boxer out there is you've you got to you've got to box for yourself.
0: Mm, 100% I couldn't agree with you more. You see lots of people that are living through their kids yeah, aren't they? They are. They are. See lots of it and it's um sometimes like sometimes like I know we have done it in the past at our club and that we've had uh, actually had words with the parents and just like explained that to them and just like like, and and most more often than not, sometimes they appreciate it and they understand. More often than not, they storm off like and they they don't understand it because and the reason. But, but I've spoken to one before that I had a uh, had an absolute ding dong with before, like yeah. parent, and it was just literally me telling them, "Listen, your your little Johnny does not want to box. You're putting so much pressure; it's just not happening. You're you're pressurizing. Like I'm hearing that." When you go home, like you're you're drilling them in the car, and then at the weekend you're doing countless rounds of pads. He's not even resting, like, and he's coming in and you can see he's miserable. He doesn't want to be here, uh, and and Dad wouldn't wouldn't accept it at all and stormed off and told me, I didn't know what I was doing and and all that. And then a few years later, he comes back to me and he says, you were right. you know that he said, I just, you were out my pride. But like when I, when I finally realized it and accepted it with a level head, you were right. He never wanted to box. He was just, it was me pushing too much. Well, well done to you. um, Credit to you,
1: Wayne. Do you know what I mean? I think, uh, you know, you lead by example in that respect. And, and, you know, we always say it, don't we, but coaches, uh, Co- boxing coaches are very special people and, and you call them a coach but really mate like they're so much more than that like we know this like i, I you know mm. I, I had the privilege yeah, of yeah the entire southern counties mate you know 96 clubs at a time and every single club i stepped mm. into you know mate honestly you know the, those people who were called coaches they were they were fathers they were mothers they were physiotherapists they were psychotherapists you know I me and they were you know they, they were everything mate they
0: Psychos oh, absolutely. Themselves. <laughs> I think you've
1: got to be, you've got to be psychopathic, you know what I mean, to do it. Like, you know, t- totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. one hundred percent. But you know, you know, very special people. And, um, and I, I think a lot with that comes a lot of responsibility. Do you know, it, it comes a lot of responsibility. You've got to look mm. after people. And some sometimes that's not in your
0: own best interests, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. Did you? Um, I bet you come across some funny characters when you moved around the whole of the ninety-six clubs <laughs> yeah, in the Southern Counties. Yeah, I, did, didn't I yeah. did, and 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 they know who they
1: are as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Colourful as an understatement, mate. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I uh, you know a lot of people like to mine. I used to go to the the Kent Committee uh, boxing committee meetings. You know, uh, in Faversham uh, above above a pub. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know that, that I think that is uh, that's an experience in itself. Do you know what I mean? And I, 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 any anyone <laughs> listening who's ever been to one of those meetings knows exactly what I'm saying. Is probably nodding their head right now. You know, but uh, yeah. But uh, you know, anyone within boxing, amateur boxing, knows that you know we're yeah we're a very colourful group of people. Um, we've all we're all very opinionated, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? We've all got our own opinions, you know. Oh god! Um, yeah. And and you know that's yeah. that's also what makes the boxing
0: so. It's what makes the sport. It's it? so look interesting well, because right. actually, do you
1: know what? You just never know. Sometimes you know you might look at someone and think, "Oh, they're off their edge." you know what I mean? Like you know that method or what they're doing is just bonkers, but. Yeah, you know, I remember one guy like telling me, you know, I'd go into one club and and uh, a coach would say to me, Yeah, I've got, you know, I've got I've got my my boxer running ten ten kilometres every day now, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, is their road work, you know what I mean? I've said to them, you know, they need to build their engine up, you know what I mean? And um yeah, I'll go into the next club, you know, and and they'd say, Yeah, you know, like this you know, I've got him on a, on one apple a day, you know what I mean? And you know, it just you know it's it just <laughs> just just crazy methods, you know what I mean? Like but uh yeah, wonderful.
0: It's yes, the colourful. Do you know what, oh, mate? Boxing, honestly, I, I think nice. one thing
1: which which was great was also uh, the the places where the boxing would take place, Wayne. You like the, the 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 boxing club facilities. Mm. Uh, I mean, I call them facilities, mate. But I mean, we're so resourceful, like in boxing. Just sheds, aren't they? I think some of my favourite ones, mate. They? Was um, I think I think my my favourite stands out was. Uh, one of the clubs that Michael Seymour used to have in uh, Hern Bay, right? Uh, um, oh, okay, yeah. It was uh, it was yeah. an old uh, gaming uh, um, arcade. It was, uh, yeah, it was like um, was it? Because obviously, it? in in Hern Bay, you know they got all these gaming arcades, haven't they? And basically, the, this this gaming arcade mm. has just been, you know, just been left Apps totally left yeah. away. And honestly, like one day they must have just like shut the shutters. And then just been like, right, we're done, we're out, and everything, mate, was still in there, right? So we're still so in there. I remember my Seymour, <laughs> You constructed this ring in the corner, right? And you know the ceiling was so low, you could only have some of a few of his boxes get in the ring. You know what I mean? Like the seniors couldn't even box in the ring. Yeah. And then and then you know the old you yeah, yeah. used to go to to get your, your coins, your tokens, and your change. It was there, right yeah. in the middle of the bloody boxing gym. This like it was like. You know that really tacky, like <laughs> gold looking made out of plastic, but it's gold looking booths, you know, with like the the tinted glass and the sliding yeah. doors. It was there, mate, yeah, right yeah, in the middle. Yeah, it yeah. was it yeah. was bizarre. And it was right on the front of Herne Bay. It was it was crazy. And then um and then he he, he later moved from that place to uh, above a rowing club, <clears throat> Herne Bay rowing club. So he used to have these like um these like rowing boats like lined up like along the one side of the fricking boxing gym, you know. He
0: used to clear it out every night, and he used to have like a little. Amazing, it awesome, isn't mate? it? Amazing what like what some coaches do for the community. Like so, like I talk, I've spoken to a few on the podcast actually. That still to this day, there's still lots of clubs that set up and take down every night. Like take, put their ring up, put their bags up, take it down, put it away. Like, they're still just hiring out community yeah, center halls 100%. and stuff like that. Just. to just to get the kids boxing and some of them are producing champions as well so it shows that it's it's just a bit of initiative and um it's not about all fancy mirrors and fancy bags and the latest equipment it's it's about the love for the game the knowledge of getting the lo- knowledge and the hard work of of everything and just putting yeah, it all to I, work I,
1: I 100% I mean you you look at um you know you take Aaron Pritchard for example um and uh, mm. his club and I don't I don't know if it's still in the same place but uh you know I think that was one of the uh the most like derelict clubs at the time. Um was it is it Moneyfields is, that, is that it? what it's yeah. called and it's a,
0: yeah Moneyfields yeah I don't know if Aaron still has anything to do with the club or not. He's still the he's still the Southern Counties um Secretary, but I'm not sure if he's still there. No, no with but the I mean, you know, not.
1: when his when his Aaron was still amateur boxing at the time, and and they were right by this leisure mm. centre, but it, oh, it was a shed, mate. It was a it was a shed outside the leisure centre, and it was um, it was a tin roof. Oh, and, okay. um, In a lot of uh, you know, there were very few boxes you could actually skip, you know, because of, because of the low ceiling, yeah. uh, mate. It was leaking. It was stinking. It was there was, yeah. was damp up the walls, mate. You know what I mean? It was. You know, and in, in winter, yeah. it must have been brutal. It
0: was like tentadons, weren't it? and before they moved to where they yeah, are. They were yeah. in like a cow shed, weren't they? It was, it was literally a cow shed. I remember... I remember going there as a judge to do a show, and I was sitting there with me with my coat on. It was freezing. It was literally in a cow shed. But like they, they produce some good boxers, and they've got a good little club. Like they've got a good gym now. They've got a good nice little gym yeah. in Tenterden. So, so
1: they deserved to as well, like you know, what I mean mm. like you know they worked hard there, and you yeah, know, the, the, the guys worked like, hard, Torn didn't they? Yeah. That, you, know I mean? like, you know, but and ten, ten you know that that barn was massive. It was absolutely huge. Huge yeah huge. it was, huge, it, it was wasn't crazy it? wasn't it, it, it was, um, but yeah it's just amazing like mm. how resourceful ev- everyone is and um, you know where the just, just to do, do a, a bit of boxing, boxing. yeah yeah so I, so it was just an absolute privilege really um, you know to go around those clubs and meet people and and kind of help out you know however I could um, you know it could have been anything I'll tell you one thing I this one one place I've got to tell you actually one of my other favorites was um, you ever been on the Isle of Wight to box. No?
0: No. So, no? no. No, no, no. no. Well, it, so Island White, or uh,
1: I I think it's Darren, the guy's name. Forgive me, I've forgotten the name of the club actually. Um but
0: not no, no port, so. is it?
1: Um but uh, anyway, no. they're they're uh, they're in a church. They're in a church, mate, and not just oh, any right. church. Like this church was absolutely bloody massive. And the church for whatever reason was no longer used and it, mate it was i i never forget i got the ferry over uh, one evening and i drove on the isle of Wines. never been there in my life like you know what i mean and and, and it's like it's like something off yeah. um, off lost or something do you know what i mean like you know with you know you you driving on yeah. these lanes yeah. and it, 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 this one night it was it was chucking it down with rain mate and i just thought... i felt like i was in timbuktu you know what i mean and i, I, I honestly thought i'd never come back you know what i mean <laughs> like i, I just I was driving these lanes and I, and I found my way there and then looming at the top of this hill was this massive, like, shadow of this bloody church. And I thought, no, it can't be in there. Anyway, so, so I seen some lights on and I, I asked a few people on the street and they kept pointing to this church. And I thought, so anyway, I walked in, mate, honestly, the whole, the the, the boxing gym, what the church was the boxing gym. And, 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 and it was, like, basically where yeah. the old steeple was and stuff, like the altar at the, at the front, that's where they had the boxing ring um it was phenomenal it was absolutely phenomenal mate yeah it was brilliant but they've they've got some awesome. stories coming out of there mate i mean they've got some legends knocking around um you know they're one of those clubs where you walk in and and you know the old pros are sat there on the bench you know and they've they've all got like 200 pounds yeah. yeah. between them
0: yeah i was sitting there talking like barbershop. brilliant place brilliant place <laughs> but if anyone ever gets to the go they are the other white like you know, uh, yeah Got to go and visit it. Yeah, no, definitely. So when when you were in your um, well, well, obviously one thing that you did start that I think's worth men- mentioning was the arenas. Now, there's nine arenas in the whole of the country. Every region's got a mobile arena now, haven't they? And um, and you, you was the one that designed the very first one that yeah, I've seen so
1: Or not seen it? They should definitely go yeah. to your. Uh, your social media in that way and you know your website and have a look at the mobile arena because it's difficult to explain isn't it it's basically an an outdoor mobile box yeah that you can you can erect anywhere you know like in a park or uh, on the
0: beach or whatever it may be oh we've been we've been everywhere yeah. with that bloody thing i literally last it was only last summer of re- I've re- done it all up, like it needed a bit of TLC. So I got some new signs on it, um, and, and got lots of stuff all repaired on it, and everything like that. And uh, it looks really good now, like all um, all the because all, all the old signs of Urban Box and everything were all scratched and and just weathered really. But um, like Lee and I, the gu- guinea pigs that we were, we've took that bloody everywhere. It's been a Scotland. It's been a Manchester. It's ah. Oh, all over the place Wales Millennium Stadium football on the pitch like it's been oh, everywhere silly. that thing but you was the, you was the one weren't you you designed it and everything and then uh, England Boxing went off and made eight more didn't they and and from what I know them other eight are stored in garages somewhere they're never getting used or anything My, the one that we've got is still the only That's one so that sad, gets it. it's
1: really sad but I'll tell you
0: what though it started with a bit of a funny story like you mm. know oh god that arena I tell you put
1: some i put some energy into that mate honestly i i uh so
0: yeah I mean, yeah basically like
1: for for listeners like you know i think the the boxing arena cost eleven thousand pounds to make right and um uh, and then another yeah. four or five thousand pounds to run it so that was like storage and then getting the yeah. van higher to go and take it out every single time and Oh, my word. So you're talking about best part of £15,000 for this project, right? And we basically managed to get it funded uh, partly through Sport England and partly through a housing association. Uh, anyway, so, so this thing was built by Probox, actually. So shout out to Probox there in uh, Gillingham. And, um, yeah, they've yeah. got a guy, you know, a guy who's, who's an ex-engineer. And they build it on site in the factory and they painted it all. And they've never done anything like this in their lives. Like, it was brand new, as you say, Wayne. So we designed it all and that, you know. Anyway, mm. I'll never forget mate, the first time I ever went to pick up this arena, right? And I did it on my own. Like the guys at Pro Box, you know I saw a hired a mm. van, you know, I went I went to Gillingham, you know, brand new. They shoved it all in the back of this transit, you know. And then we had this uh, trial day. I don't know if you're involved, Wayne, but it was um No labor It was, was in this late late uh, late. college a like Northwest Kent College, I think it was. Mm.
0: Yeah? Oh no, 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 I was there. Uh,
1: mid Kent College, yeah, no, was that's it, yeah. Kent mid Kent College. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When we done it in the foyer. Okay. Yeah. No, I was there. I no. thought you'd done it once before. Yeah, it was that. the first. Or was launch. that the first launch? Was mate, it? Well, oh, I was the second no, one. Honestly, I, yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I was there. I've got to.
1: have got. You know, for your for your listeners, like if you see this thing, it's galvanized steel, right? Okay. So this, this thing weighs an absolute ton, right? And it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. And you have got to get one of those yeah. like high top, long wheel transits. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he only then with the original one would it actually go in, right? So I, I I get up at the crack yeah, of dawn, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I I get this thing from Gillingham, and then I'm driving to Mid Kent College for like 8am or whatever, uh, you know, I've been been grafting, you know, grafting for the past week to get this thing ready, uh, we're under the cosh a little bit, we've just hired this van, so obviously we've ploughed a lot of money into all this like, you know, the van hire, it's a brand new van, okay, and uh, I, I, you know what I'm gonna say? You know what I'm gonna say, don't you? <laughs> no and, coming. And I i And I, listen, I got to the college, and I breathed a sigh of relief. And then I, I and basically, they um, I said to the guy, "Where do you, where do you want me to go?" And he said, "Go round the back of the college, right?" Yeah. So it was this little path, like this little road, you know, that takes you around. So I'm driving this long wheelbase tranny, and I, and I turn, I turn the last corner, mate. Honestly, God, the last corner of the journey to get this flipping van in um, and <laughs> clang. I crash the side <laughs> of a <the> van, right, <laughs> into the corner of the college right? Yeah, okay? Yeah, it, it, it's on the that. door yeah. side of the tranny, right? So I'll we'll reverse it, I like, mm. loop it around the corner, get it there, get out, mate. I'm in a cold sweat. I'll walk around, brand new van, Okay. And, mate, I have done a job on this, right? <laughs> so it hit it that hard <laughs> into the door. The door no longer Do you remember that? So
0: we've Didn't got, know, like, we've got it.
1: what? Yeah, yeah.
0: Honestly, Had we, to get everything we, we must the have we, we, a ton and a half of
1: galvanised steel in the back of this thing, right? <laughs> we've, we've got eight punch bags, yeah, 48 pairs of gloves. We've got everything in the back of this, like ropes the work's. And I, honestly, God, mate, I, I could have cried at that moment. I honestly could have cried. And then we have got the entire day to go. We've got to erect yeah. this thing now. You know what I mean? So, I, I, and and then I've got to try and yeah, you've got oh, to try to explain oh, to mate. see more
0: higher. <laughs> oh my <laughs> you just God, mate! Destroyed I think, their brand I think new that man. cost me about
1: four hundred pounds <laughs> that day or something. Oh God, mate, I could have cried. Yeah, but bet it call, did. I couldn't believe it. Oh yes, we couldn't even open the bloody side door. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'll tell you, mainly, mainly at some funny stories but like even like we get we, we are yeah, doing yeah, another yeah. pod and we have dragged Lee on here as well and uh like I'm not joking even to this day he still moans about the arena he says I swear that's the thing that caused my bad back like even to this day he still moan like because I got I got out of this one day right this was when Midge Notes worked for us and him and Midge him and Midge went to Brixton right I, I had to I was working somewhere else or I just couldn't make it well yeah. so he took Midge like to at Midge to work, and uh, he got this place. Well, he had to go up and downstairs. It was upstairs in this sports thing, and he had to carry the the whole arena up and down. Like not only just upstairs into it was one of them. You go upstairs, across, downstairs, then up another flight of stairs, and then you're in the main room that they wanted it. And, like, we didn't know nothing about that when they booked the job <laughs> in and everything. And he still moans about that today. He says, I swear that what I've done. i done my back in that. I'm not surprised, though, because oh, it's a heavy talk. old gear, isn't it? But, God, we've been we've been everywhere. Like, we ended up, we yeah, bought a yeah, van, yeah. didn't we, for the in the end. Like, when we moved on, we bought, we bought a van because the arena was out that much. And we thought, right, we'll buy a van. <laughs> we bought this heap of shit. We did. And, uh like i'll tell you that was a good turn i ended up using it with me bouncy castles and um i ended up like i had to get shot of it It was like every hundred miles you do you were spending a grand on it just to fix the thing but the um god did we have something like, i remember when we ah, funny one that stands out is we went yeah we went to cardiff and we were it was one of the jobs on the on the millennium stadium and uh and it was just that, it was that around that time when the craze was with the buckets of water <laughs> over your head and then people were filming, yeah, the Ice Bucket Challenge, that was it. But Lee said, let's do something different because he'd been nominated by everyone at his club. And uh, it was like, we'd just been out for dinner, right? I'm not joking, it was in Wales, it was pissing hard, it was cold. And, uh, and we're down by the Premier Inn and he's gone, look at that puddle. He said, drop me off here. Go and turn around and drive through that puddle. That's going to be my ice bucket. (laughs) I went... all right. Yeah, no worries. But there's, I, thought, I thought you're having it. You're absolutely having it. Don't like he, he gave me this opportunity. Well, I went around this van. Right? I must have hit this puddle doing 70 <laughs> mile an hour. It was like a typhoon. It went over the top of it. We got the whole thing on camera. It was the best fit. Like I think he still got it. It was so funny. He literally got back in the van. Like he thought he was going to get a little bit wet. I covered him like this whole puddle. Just like, it was just like, like, this huge typhoon of waves—you couldn't even see him. Like I, th- he, he went, I didn't think you'd go that fast. I said, "You don't ever give someone that opportunity." <laughs> <laughs> then we got ba- got back to the got back to the hotel. I mean, he, he like because he didn't think about it. Like he only had one pair of trainers with him to work with. They were drenched by the mornings. <laughs> Everything was so fun. <laughs> we had to spend the whole day. I think that's when we came. We came and stayed with you afterwards because you were in Bristol. We came. We came from the when we drove back from the Millennium Stadium. We mate, and when came and stayed you. came to you me right you in Bristol there, with dog. the van uh,
1: with that with that van that you bought. When you yeah. rocked up, mate. Honestly, God, I thought yeah. it was. Uh, I thought it was like uh, Del Boy. You just rocked up. You know what I mean it was. Good God, mate! So it, was it was the scrap, the shit, scrap that metal thing, metal wasn't bands, it? Hey, and know. do you remember? Do you remember the door, the back yeah. doors used to lock as well, so humping, you couldn't get smoking. in. It took us about half an hour yeah. to get back into the van that <laughs> yeah, day. What... We, were, we, were using, we were using, bars and all sorts, mate, just oh, to try and funny. open the back of the van, and then we were going to tie it up with a bit yeah. of rope. Oh, no, honestly, God, mate, everything was falling off. Just try and rip things. the door ridiculous. off. I know it
0: was terrible, it was hilarious. It was, yeah. No, it lasted about half a year. It did, but it, oh, it stunk. Because I can't remember what it was used. What well, it was used for, but God did it stink inside. I think it was like oil and stuff. Oh, it stunk it did inside. I remember that. It was But it done as a good turn. It was quite funny. But let's move on anyway. Let's talk, like, because when, also part of your work, you worked at uh, London yes, 2012, did. didn't you? Yeah, I was... Um... So you had a big part of the play when like, you'd done quite a lot of work. Yeah, right, that's right. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if
1: anyone uh, remembers like, London 2012, you had like uh, volunteers who were called games makers. Uh, mm. And I, I was one of those games makers. Yeah. And, um, uh, for anyone who, who doesn't remember, like, they used to dress us up in these uh, uniforms. And um, I think it was Linda McCartney or someone who, who designed them or whatever. But uh, they looked horrendous, and um, it was like purple and not. Op-
0: yeah, we've got we've got a picture of it on the wall at the club because Jerome and Dan Woolwich done the yeah that's um, flag right yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. No, we looked like
1: bumper lumpers like they like they're like a uh, purple and orange like you yeah. know, with, like these beige trousers it was absolutely ridiculous yeah. mate yeah so um but yeah no I worked at the uh, London 2012 I was on the boxing information team which basically meant that. In the Olympic Village, where all the athletes stayed, I would uh, sit at a desk, and all of the boxing teams, when they mm. uh, when they arrived, they'd come to us, and we'd obviously give them information about like the bus times to training, or the bus times to competition, how to get around, um, staying on yeah. site, and things in the athletes' village. And then, if there were any updates to be had, you know, any changes or whatever it may be. Then again, they'd come back to the desk like you know, um, what, whatever they needed, really. So uh, it was it was fantastic. It was an absolute privilege. Yeah. It was a joy. Um, you, know, it, it was, you know, it was you know, yeah, it was one of the highlights. Like I think you know, in my in my
0: career, really. You, you think the cohort of boxers that came through the London 2012, the likes of Lomachenko, Anthony Joshua. Um, all the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Errol Spence was there running. Um. All them. So you got to you got to meet yeah, a lot so, of these, so didn't you, and watch the, them. And stuff, uh, didn't
1: you? The back end of the Olympics, to, you know, the uh, the kind of business end, the really exciting time. You know, when like the semis and the finals were taking yeah. place. I uh, I got shifted from the athletes' village. Yeah. into To the XL arena, um, and I'd be uh uh in the mm. warm up area, so I'd uh, basically be. In like a little yeah. channel between the changing rooms and the warm up areas, um, and uh, that was yeah, that was yeah. you know for for a boxing enthusiast, mate, or someone who boxes. I mean, it was a dream. Like you know, so I mean, even now, as you say, Wayne, like at the time, you didn't realize, like you didn't quite realize the greatness you you were the greatness, but no, history didn't. was happening right no, there. was in that room. room, and um, you know, like you had the Cuban team, and and yeah, you know, so the Cuban team, like the the, the you know the truth is like the stereotypes are, are true like they 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 would just walk in nonchalant you know the Cuban team you'd always know when they arrive, like you know what I mean they'd always come in in the blue yeah. trackies and that you know and and obviously they they were one of the biggest teams so you know they they bring a lot of people with them and um it was weird cuz the changing room area was tiny really you know you'd have this lovely warm up area it was beautiful mm. it was like it was custom made like so each so you'd have a red and blue changing area right and you'd have in each one, you'd have, like, a, a huge amount of space. You'd have a lovely uh, ring, probably two rings, actually. You'd have um, every single different type of punch bag around the outside. You'd have loads of floor space. You'd have anything you needed. You'd have sofa, big screen, uh, drinks, fridge, everything, mate. It was beautiful. And um, and the Cubans, for whatever reason, was it barely ever used that actual warm-up area they they do their pads in the changing rooms. Really? So the changing rooms were like, you know what I mean? It was like a box room, you know what I mean? But they they do the pads in the changing rooms. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it was funny, really, because like, you know, you'd always say to Cuba, like, you, you always be knocking on the door, Cuba, 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 you know, you're ready, you're ready, you're ready. Everyone else is like lining up, queuing, ready to go. You'd always have to chase after Cuba, where bloody Cuba? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. the, the box is on, you know, and, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it, don't worry about it. It was like, manana, manana. and you would always Way say something like "Are you ready?" Yeah. and then just look at you like Cuba. Cuba are always ready. They wouldn't honestly, we wait. Wait, they wouldn't even have a sweat <laughs> on, mate. You know what I mean? They'd be like, they'd be like, "We're always ready." And and it was really? so relaxed, mate. It was beautiful. And then and then yeah. see the difference, like you know, obviously Eastern Europeans and stuff. So I, I'll tell you the story about Lomachenko. So, um, so so Lomachenko obviously was coached by his dad at the time. Yeah. So he was boxing for Ukraine, and they were. You know, they were drilled. Mm. And when when Lomi used to walk in the building, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, us guys who who knew about boxing, do you know what I mean? Like, we we just fall silent, mate, you know what I mean? He was, yeah, you knew who he was. And, and yeah. you knew he, you know you know, who was he was. And, and anyway, I'll I never forget, like, I, I just used to watch him mm. uh, warm up. And um, before his final bout, right, so his, his final bout, most important bout possibly of his career, certainly to that point, um you know he was going obviously for his second olympic gold wasn't he and um uh uh, or first was it um and um it was the
0: second that yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was his second, wasn't it? He done so Beijing, we didn't he? Out. Yeah, he done. He didn't yeah, do yeah. Rio, did he? So, so, he done, so he, he done yeah, Beijing. Beijing. In fact Beijing, I watched right? him in Beijing,
1: Actually, I still was there, yeah. But that's another story. So, uh, yeah, London 2012. So he was there with his dad, yeah. like he's in the warm up area, and you can literally see, mate. I can walk from the blue changes, have a little look, and then I'll walk to the red and see his opponent. You know, and and the. Uh, I'll never forget, like, his opponent's doing the normal yeah. stuff. Like, you'd imagine he's in the ring. He's got, like, you know, his, his coach has got him on the pads and that, you know. And then you walk over to Lomachenko, and his his dad's got no pads at all. All he's got is just a white towel. Just stand standard white towel, mate, that, you, you know, he probably picked up off, off the side. And um, all he's doing yeah. is just whipping the towel in, uh, in, like, an X shape, you know, in diagonals, right, okay? And then windmilling it, you know. Yeah. Um, sort of helicopter style, really, at Lomachenko. And all is doing is he's just yeah. on his toes, in and out, yeah, slipping, yeah, rolling, and, and then using footwork to basically just avoid his, his dad whipping the towel at him. And, and, and that, you know, honestly, mate, it was, yeah. it was beautiful yeah. to watch. And that was basically his warm-up. And he'd do that for, like, say, a minute at a time. And then they both sit down very quietly beside each other, really, really calm. And then every now and again, his dad might say a couple of words to him. And then, and then that was it, mate. And then they get back up and then and that was it. You know, they yeah. do the same drill again and, and then they walk out. Yeah.
0: Remarkable, isn't he? He's, he? For sure, he's got to be the most talented, talented boxer ever to live, I think. Like he, you can't call him the greatest yet, but, but like I think on technical ability... Just, I don't think anyone's ever. I don't think there's ever been anyone that is like him. Like what he's, what he can do. He is. He's phenomenal, isn't he? It's phenomenal. I remember. I remember the day I went up to the Olympics at the XL. I only had one day up there, and uh, the day I went up there, I was very fortunate. I got to watch. I got to watch Lomachenko. I, I knew of him. Like, because of being the Olympic champion. But what he was to become, you know, I never knew anything like that. I just went, oh, this Ukrainian kid, like, he's he's red hot. He's only lost, like, one bout or two bouts out of 300 and saying, is he the Olympic champion? We're going to get to see him, I, and he was mesmerizing. It was like in round sixteen or something I went up. But the day I went up I saw him and I saw Errol Spence as well. And never knew who he was at all then. Just like, oh, he's quite good, this American fella, isn't he? And then like he goes on to do what he's done. Um it's amazing that you don't see. So when, but when you um you were there as well, weren't you? Um you were in the back room yeah, and so, um, Joshua won uh, the gold medal, weren't you? Funny story, really
1: actually, because um it was the very last day of the Olympic Games, twenty twelve. Yeah. So we've been working for probably three mm. weeks, I think. Um, and we've been on, um, you know, shifts every day, really. Yeah. Uh, and uh, non-stop work. And, and then all of us...
0: Yeah, still here, mate. Oh, yeah. no, I'm losing connection. You still there? Uh, yeah, no worries. Hold on, mate.
1: All good, mate, yeah?
0: Yeah, that's better. Oh, sorry about it. We lost connection there. No um, worries, mate. Cool, we're back in. So you were just telling us you were just about to tell us a story about AJ after he won the gold medal.
1: Yeah, so um yeah, AJ for his final. I mean, like, you know, a lot of people remember twenty twelve, like I mean, that first bout with the Cuban that AJ had, mm. like, I mean mm. that, uh, let's let's be honest, like, you know, I think AJ was fortunate, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very funny. fortunate to very get that fortunate. decision really. Yeah, I didn't think um, he was. Uh but you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, what he's gone on to become, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's he's such a fantastic person isn't he you know and uh an amazing role model oh, so, of course I, you know, changed I
0: think... the face of the sport in this country hasn't he? absolutely exactly so everything happens
1: for a reason do you know what I mean so i don't think anyone will ever really begrudge it you yeah. know but uh, there's there's you know let's not beat around the bush like he was he was lucky to get get past that first bout yeah um and then you know but but then of course you know he, he you know he grew and grew and grew into the, into the, the tournament really and uh so yeah before his um Final bout. uh, I watched him warm up, and he was with uh, Paul Wormsley um, Mm. uh, in the in the the warm up area, and he was just doing very simple stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just um, double jab backhand. Do you know what I mean? Double jab backhand. You know, just moving around the ring, like nothing fancy at all. Just
0: really for the Olympic final. Imagine that, eh? God, exactly, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and
1: that's all it was really. And Paul Wormsley was just drilling and just just keeping it really simple, really basic, but. You know, double jab, backhand, double jab, backhand. And then, um, anyway, they went out and um, and, and then I kind of, uh, you know, I sneaked through just to be able to sort of, you know, watch it from uh, yeah. behind the scenes. Uh, and then he won the bout, obviously. And uh, I was, you know, back in the warm-up area then when he walked from the ring after winning the bout yeah. uh, into the changes. And um, a few of us were just kind of milling about or whatever. And uh, I just approached him and I just said, you know, Congratulations, right you know what I mean, and uh, yeah, he just shook me hand give me a hug, you know what I mean, and um I mean he, he's just such a gracious guy, like wonderful, wonderful guy, he just lights up a room, you know, and um
0: yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, it was very you know it was very special, really, and then we just kind of hung around with him' it was probably only about i don 't know half a dozen of us really in this warm up area, just hung around until um you know we was called out for the medal ceremony. Yeah. Um, and because this was the last bout, you know, obviously they they just had to set up the medals, then the 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 podium and stuff, uh, in the ring uh, for him to come back out. So um, so that was very rare, you know. Obviously, most boxers they sort of go away and get themselves chains and stuff, you know. But he had to sort of like uh, stay there, and um, yeah, it was amazing. But the truth is, Wayne, like <laughs> we'd all gone out the night before. Oh really? Uh, yeah i'd been out all night mate i was absolutely rotten that day and um (laughs) uh basically we'd gone to this casino because it it was the end of the olympics like we all volunteered and stuff for the for the few weeks and uh it was our last hurrah really and um yeah so we ended up in this casino and it uh, and it was crazy mate it was um it was full of athletes uh and it was like the, the fifth or sixth floor you know um uh, in Westfield shopping center. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, anyway, yeah. So, we, you know, we were all, uh, let's say we were all a little bit worse for wear, like, you know, and, it, and obviously being a casino, mate, you we went on till all hours. Yeah. And, uh, Paddy Barnes was in there, um, playing, uh, playing the casino, um, with, uh, with what's his face, uh, who's his mate, who's Conlon. pro now. Yeah. yeah. Conlon. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Michael Conlon, Paddy Barnes were in there. And I'll never forget like one of me, uh vol- volunteer mates, um. He, he went for a piss, and uh, Conlon walked in. <laughs> as he was having a piss, really him for a selfie. So he got a selfie in the toilets with uh, Michael Conlon. <laughs> you know? It's quite funny, but uh, you know they they were they were good lads, like, they were good crack. And I actually, do you know what? Like you know, obviously Conlon, you know, had a, um, a very memorable uh, uh, twenty sixteen, didn't he? Really, um, you know, when he uh yeah, when he kicked off. Yeah. But, but back then, mate, he was very. Uh, He was quite shy, really. Um, Mm. Paddy Barnes was the opposite, mate, you know what I mean? He was was an absolute thug. Was he, was he? he he He's just retired, isn't he? Yeah, he, He used to walk around the Athletes' Village, mate, honestly. He was the first person you'd hear. He'd be—he really? you know, was like—he's just a little scally one, you know what I mean? And he, and he never really grew up, <laughs> and he just—he'd be hanging off his balcony, mate and throwing water bombs at people and all sorts, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like elite athletes, you know what I mean? Walking around like Usain Bolt walking, walking through the athletes' village, and there was yeah. Paddy Barnes on his balcony, like fucking naked, yeah. throwing bloody water bombs, like. You know? <laughs> and uh, he was off his head. And
0: anyway, that... sounds like Billy Joe Saunders because they used to say the same about him, didn't they? Like, yeah, like, he, was, he, was he, was he was a naughty really... lad when he was very yeah. naughty, yeah. But you know. It, it,
1: it was it was an amazing time and as i say i was i was a bit rotten really that day i mean we we ended up in the casino with the uh, the dutch hockey team who'd won a silver oh, really? medal and they yeah. were all wearing their medals and no word of a lie mate they all let us wear their medals so we were all Did walking they? around this casino with like silver olympic medals on do you know what I mean? it was wow, um, it was bizarre mate I, I, but you know that i ended up staying at a hotel like uh that night and then as i say we all got to the excel the next day and um it was a wonderful time, it absolutely wonderful time, and that that was the end. That was the very end of the Olympic Games. It was the very last medal to be won was and yeah. Joshua's, you know, and it yeah. was so fitting, really, you know, and and it just revolutionised boxing overnight.
0: Yeah, um, same as love with Nicola Adams, wasn't it? That's what that's what today's female boxing's all about was because of her, wasn't it? Her and Katie Taylor.
1: That's right, absolutely, and and you know that that bout between Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas, you know, was. Um, was incredible, you know, at the it wasn't the final, was it? It wasn't, no, no, it wasn't. No, um, no, no. it wasn't. Um, but uh, they measured the decibels, didn't they? And they, they proved that it was the loudest bout of the entire Olympic games. Really? Um, was it really? Yeah. They, Cause all the Irish managed to get uh, tickets.
0: Um,
1: yeah. And um, and then obviously all the scousers, you know? Uh, so uh, yeah, it was, it was a ridiculous amount of noise. Um which is just amazing, isn't it? I mean, Katie Taylor, yeah. mate. Like she, gosh, she's the most humble boxer I think I've ever met. I mean, she was sat yeah. there in the warm-up area after winning the gold medal with her dad, and they were just sat there, like just chilling out. Like you know, the pair of them, they, they couldn't have been more humble. Like she, nah, she, was, she was almost nah. embarrassed when you when you walked up to congratulate her. You know what I mean? Like she was, you know, yeah. she was that
0: shy. Like it, she's she's a wonderful person, mate. You know, yeah. She's gone on to do great things, isn't she? I, I I like watching her as well. She's not just like she's bloody entertaining. I think she'd bash up half the men as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. She's very she strong so... and she's very oh, strong.
0: strong, brilliant. Like but entertainment value, there's no like qualms about it, there's no like sit back picking the shot. It's like it's all action, isn't it? Like she's a very good boxer, but but of course she can have a fight as well. It's, um, it's entertaining to see. So, now, what a good time then. So, did you get to meet the, uh, the scandalous Dr. Wu there?
1: Yes, I did, mate. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, so, again, people might not remember this. It was uh, very forgettable. But um, after London uh, 2012 Olympic Games, uh, AIBA, who was the International mm-hmm. Amateur Boxing Association, they decided that they'd try and... Um, they wanted to try and bridge the gap between amateur and professional. So yeah. they wanted to try and be everything in boxing, basically. Uh, they wanted worked, to take
0: over the world, didn't he? they?
1: The way they wanted to take over the world, and the guy who ran it, a Korean guy, um, it, I think he's now he's now being. Um, he's uh, in court. He's in court. He's, yeah, he's being yeah. done for a lot of bad things, and um, he was. I think he was. A, I think he was a billionaire. We're losing connection again. Are you mate? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, good mate. All all good.
0: Third time lucky.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we'll do it mate yeah we'll do it yeah yeah I don't know but the, yeah, so Aiba wanted to take over the world with boxing and they, they came up with this concept called World Series of Boxing
0: mm.
1: um, WSB and yeah, the idea was that, that it was a in the gap it was it, at the time it was revolutionary because it was going to allow uh, amateurs to box long. so no vests no headguards guards. Three threes, or even at the time, actually, I think we did five threes. Um, at yeah, one point. yeah, yeah, it went very... five round, five yeah. Went out five rounds. Yeah, five rounds. Yeah, and they obviously they got all the, you know, they they convinced all of the top boxers, the top boys, you know, to do it. So you know, Lomachenko was in it. You know, he boxed against Sam Maxwell, didn't he? Had yeah, great yeah. bounce they boxed okay.
0: twice. I remember watching. Oh no, it was a Cuban. Yeah, that's right. It was in the WSB. Yeah.
1: And then, um, and then you had, you know, obviously people like Usyk, you know what I mean, in there. And um, uh, the, because
0: Usyk boxed Joe Joyce, didn't he? He Absolute, did, absolutely bamboozled him, didn't he? He and did. Him. He did, mate. Yeah,
1: he did. He did. It was quite surprising, actually. Some bouts in that in that WSB were one sided, weren't they? Mm. Um, mm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so they used to do do it at the XL. I mean, they used to do it around the world, you know. But, yeah. but you know, they did it at the XL anyway. So. Aiba basically a uh, very <laughs> very interesting organisation uh, back then um, but they came to London and they decided right we're going to we're going to set up this big event WSB uh you know a night of boxing at the Excel and they they basically uh, used the hotel uh, next to the XL as like their headquarters so they used mm-hmm. to rent out all these rooms like conference rooms like you know hotel rooms or whatever and then they'd, um, they'd bring their all, whole operation, you know, to this room. Um, you know, I mean, and they'd just source stuff, you know. So, for example, like computers and printers and laminators, because obviously all those little lanyard cards and stuff, do you know what I mean? All the passes, yeah. you know, like, all the, you know, it, for a professionally run organization, you know, uh, normally these things would be done weeks in advance for AIBA it's done like the day before, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so it was quite a strange thing because we were all pulled in as volunteers. We were all asked to help out. Um, and the ABA at the time, you know, it was a case whereby IEB would say jump and the ABA would say how high, you know? It was, it, it, yeah. it, you know, it, we, you had to, to try and stay on their good side because you wanted to make sure that your elite boxers, you know, were favoured. And you know we're not discriminated against, mm. um, and and that was a very real thing. And you've probably seen it over the years, where by Ie decide that you know England boxing aren't adhering to the rules, and so therefore they are. You know, they're banned from boxing and Aiba competitions for, you know, yeah. 20 days or whatever it may be. You know, just ridiculous things.
0: So, they just made the rules up as they went along. Though, it was
1: ridiculous, mate. They changed whatever them. It
0: is, if, you turn, if you spoke to Dr do- Wu in the wrong way, then all your boxers would lose. Well, <laughs> the, you know, they took head guards out, didn't they? They took head guards yeah. out for, for, for men and then not
1: for, for women. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was absolutely bizarre. And they couldn't really back that up. They just came up with this crock of shit story. You know about yeah. um, oh, there's, there's not as many concussions, you know, what I mean, in female boxing. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, mate. But yeah, it's they, bollocks. It's they, bollocks. They yeah. they wanted it for marketing purposes. That's the truth, and that's why they took head guards away because they 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 they, they just warriors. So the idea that a mere after Athens, for example, you know, on a poster would always yeah. be in this big blue headguard. You know, they yeah. wanted the likes of Anthony Joshua to be there. You know, you know, you know, basically as a marketing purpose. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. without the head guard, and and that's the that's the honest truth, which is quite crazy. So anyway, we're in this hotel room, and it's the night before, or it's the day of, in fact, this World Series of Boxing. You've got some massive names, best boxers in the world, actually. You know, boxing at this this event, and um, they're basically telling us, "Oh, can you get this? Can you get that? Can you get this?" And and Wayne, it was unbelievable like you know you were ringing up like referees and and you know like hours before the event to try and get them coming from the southern counties to the XL, and it, it really? was it, it was a shambles mate, absolute shambles and anyway so so yeah the, the the boss at the time the uh the korean guy he walked into the hotel room at one point and uh came round and he shook my hand and thanked me for it looks plastic, all the hard work. Yeah, yeah. Very he looks like a doll. Looks like Yeah uh, he does
0: look like a doll, doesn't he? Hair's immaculate like complexion. Look that's exactly how I remember. For anyone who remembers uh
1: anyone remembers uh Thunderbirds back in the day. It was yeah. like um yeah, like it. plastic yeah. dolls, yeah. On like you know, that's what he looked <laughs> that like. It is was,
0: yeah 100%. It was very strange,
1: wasn't it? Yes, yeah, So Anyway, he came in, shook my hand. It was all a bit surreal. And obviously, he's, mm. he's now being done for money, laundry, corruption. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like he was, you know, but the guy was worth millions, hundreds of millions, you know. He was doing, oh, this, God, as a, yeah. he was doing this as a hobby. He had no real interest in boxing whatsoever. Um, no, no. Uh, so, it's just way
0: that he could make money, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, he mate. could so, swindle it. Anyway, that night, mate, we thought we'd got everything in place, right? Yeah, we, you know, there were hundreds of people coming to this event. Massive boxing uh, uh, event for London, for the Olympians, for the, Olympians. Um, Post 2012, and uh, uh, we thought we'd got everything sorted, and then someone, literally about 20 minutes before the uh, the, the first bout began, from AIBA, said, um, "Oh, we don't have um, uh, uh, a bell," and I said, "What do you mean we haven't got a bell?" And they said, "Well, <laughs> w- well we we don't have a, a bell to ring at the the start of the the round," and I was like. You don't, have a, you don't have a bell. And they, they were like, no, could, could you get us one? And I was like, 20 minutes before the first bout. I said, <laughs> I said, no. I said, no, I haven't got a chance of doing that. So no word of a lie, mate, right? I had to run over to the hotel, okay, mm. that we were staying at, which is about 200 metres away from the XL, run into the restaurant area, right, into the kitchens and say, listen, mate, can I borrow a spoon and a bowl, right? <laughs> so, I, on, right. So WSB, no word of a lie. Lomachenko's boxing, right. And I've gone into this kitchen and I've got a metal bowl, right. And I've got a metal <laughs> spoon and I've ran back and I've given it to this Aiba referee and said, "There's your ring bell."
0: Yeah. And uh, I honestly, yeah. all
1: the way through WSB. I wish I could capture it now on video, mate. If I can find it, mate, I'll send it to you. And he's there, really mate. Isn't. he's there, smashing a bowl, mate. You know what I mean, with a spoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and, and this, I, you they, run, they, this they, guy, you run. They corrupt, they corrupt, and take as much money out of the sport as they possibly can to swindle it into their pockets. But yet they forget to bloody buy a bell. <laughs> For me, mate, that is the epitome
1: of it. That was the epitome yeah. of Aiba back at, back then. You know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it was, you know, it was terrible for boxing. And, and we're still living, really, mate, in, in the wake of all that. Because, yeah, no,
0: we are. We are. You know, yeah. That's why well, the Olympics have been banned, haven't they? The Olympic, uh, the Olympic Committee, like, thank God for them. Like, they, they saw sense not to kick boxing out of the Olympics. And they took over the, the they've taken over the whole management of the Olympics for boxing, hasn't it? Um I know some people have got different views on it, but if it wasn't for the IOC, taking that on, boxing would have been expelled from the Olympics all because of them greedy bastards at the top. Well, that's true. And, and I, I, you know, I mean, the people
1: who did take it over, you know, they did their best. And I understand yeah. why they went ahead with the qualifying event, you know, yeah. um, uh you know, two months ago, I understand. Yeah. I understand that, and I appreciate their position. It must have been a very difficult, you know, thing to do. Oh yeah, of um, course. But, but the truth is, now in hindsight, they made the wrong call. You know, mm. we know mm. now that there are there are obviously lots of uh, people who transmitted coronavirus during that time. Uh, yeah. and at the the event and the tournament, they had to call it uh, call it quits, didn't they, and cancel it? Yeah. Halfway through. Um, so, so, you know, that hasn't done them, uh, a lot of good in terms of reputation. Um, no, you know, they, of they were not. obviously, you not, know, man. they were instilled by the Olympic committee, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? To, to go ahead with this tournament and, um, and trusted to do it in, in the best way. And I know that some Turkish boxers, I think, um, contracted COVID-19, you know, and that, and that is, yeah. that is awful really. That, that's, that's, it's awful for everybody because the mm. boxers now don't really know where they stand, you know, like the likes of, um, uh, Peter McGrail, like you know, like the uh the, yeah, the he's qualified, are, he's qualified you know what I mean. Um, you know, what are they gonna do with that? Is that gonna be upheld? Is it gonna be upheld yeah. for like the best part of eighteen months? I mean, can you imagine yeah, that? I mean it's gonna be a long he, time, yet, He might but... not even make weight, do you know what I mean, next no, year. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, yeah. he, he, you know, what's gonna happen there? And then for those guys who didn't box, I mean what have they got a ticket to another qualifying event? It's it's yeah. so, it's so difficult, mate, you know, and and for those poor boxers obviously who went and probably fell ill uh maybe didn't box their best you know are they now written off you know it's it's uh it's a very difficult a difficult position mate. Grounds, you know man. it is hard grounds mate yeah and these are these are people's lives as well mate you know I me and i think for you know everyone's everyone's got got it got it tough in different ways at the moment i think with coronavirus but yeah. I, I think for for young boxers you know it's unprecedented no one's ever had to go through all this like mentally and emotionally and um, what's going to happen? You know, a lot of these guys are going to be forced to turn pro, you know, when this when they come out of this, you know, because of... Yeah, that's right. Like even
0: know? Fraser Clark, he's been talking about it, hasn't he? Because obviously he's been, I think he's been on four, what has he been on, four cycles of Olympic cycles now or something like that. I think it's like three or four cycles he's done and now he's obviously, it's his turn. Um, but like, because he, he's, I don't think say he he's getting on, but he's, he's in his 30s now, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he is. Um and like he said, how much longer does he hold on before he turns over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know, do you? No, mate, you it's don't. Um, no, it's um, it's a, it's a strange time. Hopefully, we come out of it quite, quite quickly. Well, quicker than it's going to be a while yet, but hopefully, there's an Olympic Games next year. But we don't know yet, do we? No.
1: So, mate, listen, no. listen, um, to. to... To close this on a, on a more upbeat note, yeah, and a more positive note, you know, I mean, um, you know, uh, Olympia boxing now, you know, as it stands, mate, is uh, yeah. is is doing great things, and um, you know, I know that you'll probably never say this, uh, but you know, but I will, um, you know, and a lot of that is credit to you, Wayne. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's all it's all credit to you, mate. Um, and uh, the birth of, of Olympia boxing. Um, Uh, In a nutshell, came about in 2011, um, yeah, and now it's grown. Now here we are in 2012, which is phenomenal, really. Um, And you've developed it into a bit of an empire, really, mate. You know, it's um, it's a charity organisation. You know, it's um, it's doing fantastic things. You know, it's it's employing people, um, uh, but most importantly, you know, it's taken boxing uh, to young people you know, in communities that otherwise wouldn't have boxing. Um, and mm. it's it's reaching um, places that uh, would otherwise be without um, positive role models. They'd be without uh, physical activity, you know, uh, across the board, mate. You know, it's it's done wonderful things. And so I think f- for me, really, I, d- I just want to be able to, you know, give a big shout out to you, mate, and, um, uh, and say well done, mate. You know what I mean? Credit to, to you and everything you're doing,
0: mate well done. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no, and thank thank you for, I think we'll have to do another part too and we'll talk about the birth of Olympia because we've been going about an hour and uh, about hour and a half, I think. So um, I think we I think we'd be better off doing a part two and where we can talk about where Olympia started and uh, like the Kent educational boxing and the thought process behind it. I think that'd be a good one and maybe we can even get Lee and Louisa on at the same time. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely, yeah. We'll we do we definitely
1: need a part two. And I think, um, yeah, I think also as well, it'd be good to do like a, a bit of a coaching one as well. Maybe talk about you know. Yeah. Um, Talk about experiences and coaching, um, you know, and maybe we could talk about my time at Fight for Peace in London. Do you know, yeah, and, uh, that's right. yeah. You know, and, yeah. and bringing a few boxes in. Yeah, didn't even think yeah. about
0: that actually. You'd done that after Kent Sport. Was was that after Kent Sport or before Kent? Sport? Uh yeah, it was after Kent Sport. Yeah, after yeah. Kent Sport, you went to Fight for Peace. That's right. And then you end it. Then you moved back to Bristol, yeah. didn't yeah. you? I oh, know you were in Bristol at the time, weren't you? Because you were, you were, you were. You were traveling. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was great, staying yeah. in London Glad maybe yeah. for
1: a couple of nights a week, and then I was, I yeah. was traveling back. Yeah, but we could talk about that. You could talk about Brazil as well. So I went over to Brazil. Uh, yeah. To fight for peace. Um, at the end of uh 2014, uh November 2014, um mm. and uh, uh so I um I coached some boxers in the favelas. Uh, of Rio de Janeiro, and uh, and actually I witnessed a shootout as well, uh, in the favela. Wow. So we could talk a bit about that maybe next time.
0: Um, yeah, uh, and,
1: and also as well, uh, Mexico. Uh, so I, I boxed in Mexico when I was eighteen. So I'm about in Mexico. So we could maybe talk about a bit of a, you know, a bit of Mexican boxing. Do you know what I mean? And uh, we could talk about, that, talk about talk about styles. It, yeah. Talk about styles. But yeah, I definitely. think what I want to leave you on, mate, is um, my dream fight. Yeah. Okay. If I, I you know, cool I, on, I know you've been doing it a lot, mate, on the Facebook lately. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my my dream fight that I that I'm a, I really think could have happened and should have happened. Yeah. You know, and you you, you know, you can debate this with me, but I would love to have seen Canelo, Andre Ward. Yeah, All right. Yeah.
0: Okay. What, a, what? a super middle?
1: I, I, well, that's it. They would have had to meet, wouldn't they, somewhere? And I and I, I can't see. decide yeah. how. But now that Canelo's gone up, yeah. And and obviously, you know Andre Ward, we know has been super middle light heavy and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just think that you know, it, it, you know, if Canelo's thinking about you know boxing someone as big as Callum Smith, you know, then then I, then it, you know, for me, you know, for a dream fight, I would have loved to have seen that because because I want someone as intelligent as Andre Ward, you know, to 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 deal with Canelo now. You know, I mean, we've seen Mayweather, haven't we? We've seen Mayweather. Yeah, Canelo was young. He was young. Mayweather knew what he was doing. Mayweather caught him at the right time. But, you know, now Canelo is a different animal. And I would would love to see how Andre Ward deals with that, you know. So, uh, anyway, I'll leave. Who
0: Who would you predict? Who would you predict?
1: I, I, I can't see Andre Ward losing, mate. I, I just, I, I, can, no. I can
0: always see Andre
1: Ward. He'd have found he'd, a way. He'd have found a way. I mean, I know that first Kovalev, like, bout, you know what I mean? Like, I know, I know that you could, you know, you could you could toss it up either way. You could argue for Kovalev a little bit. But, but mate, yeah. I mean, that second one, mate, was just, you know, it was...
0: Just took him He apart, took him apart, didn't, didn't he? And who's that way? In one of the videos that we've been coming up, like talking about like fantasy fights, one of them that did come up was uh Ward v Kalzagi. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that I was thinking, a lot, I've been thinking a lot about this, like, because obviously there's a lot of talk, isn't it, about
1: Calzaghi and Carl Frotch? And <clears throat> I'll mm. never forget, you know, um, being totally shocked actually that Kalzagi beat Jeff Lacey, you know, Je- Jeff, Jeff yeah. le- left up Lacey, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I remember watching that bout and I was shocked, you know, I would have put everything I had on, on Lacey that night, you know. Um, and yeah. then, and then a few years later, I remember watching uh, Calzaghi versus Bernard Hopkins, and um, to beat someone as hard as Bernard Hopkins and as intelligent as Bernard Hopkins, you know, you've got to give real credit to Calzaghi. You know, he was he was oh, God, very yeah, special yeah. fighter, especially
0: especially with especially what what Hopkins went on to do after Kozlakiewicz bout. Do you know, it wasn't like Hopkins was at the end when Kozlakiewicz Not at him. all. You know what I mean? He went on and had a further, God, what ten fights, something that's right. like that. All world title fights. Won the with one, and regained the the world title. Didn't Very
1: they? tough that mate, though. That's a, that's a brilliant mm. fantasy fight. That I think Alzagi Ward mm. is a fantastic bout it is, because it? because you could make an argument either way. and both men you'd you'd never want to bet against either of them either because you know because even when you even when you thought carl's was in trouble like his conditioning was so good like you know it was yeah and it was probably underestimated his conditioning was phenomenal um you know whereas andre ward like you know a a very hard fella very powerful you know to, to to have them standing next to each other you know andre ward would look like a monster compared to
0: Kowzaki, wouldn't yeah. it, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Size-wise and everything, yeah. Absolutely. But I think, like, you see the way... You see the way Ward dealt with Frotch. Yeah. I think that would have been exactly the way that Kowzaki would have dealt with him. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Like, a lot of people say, oh, that Frotch would have... I don't think so. I think Kowzaki would have played with him, just like what Ward did. Because of the styles, the styles. Kels argue was very fast, but a great boxer. You know, like I, mean, I think he'd nullify Froch. That was what my opinion is. I think he'd have done the same. Yeah, and the
1: thing is, as well, all these guys that you know, what you what you mustn't forget, like is is that they're so they're such hard lads. Like you know, what I mean, they're so they're yeah, some, they're very very hard people. And and in terms of, like taking a dig and that, you know, they're on a different level. You know, so oh, so God, it's all yeah. good and yeah. well to say, oh yeah, well you know, foch has got that big right hand and stuff, but you know, like look at who you know, Kazagi got in the ring with. You know, he he yeah. he, he took oh, the yeah. shots. He was
0: a tough He's man. He's a very he very a tough, tough man. man. A lot of people don't give him credit for that. A lot of people don't give him credit for that. But he 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 could take a big. He could take shots. He could, and they also like he was a slapper. But he he like. He knocked 32 out of them 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He could, he could whack as yeah. well. But he, um, yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think let's leave that here then and we'll go with a part two. We'll get that arranged and we'll get Leon as well. And part two, we can talk about like Mexico and um, and Brazil and fight for peace and also then talk about how Olympia really... Um, was uh, even thought of, you know, and then we can go brilliant, from there. mate. Yeah, brilliant. You're gonna, uh, you're all gonna right, have to weather well... this
1: one, way, not you?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to run. I'm gonna have to do, try and find uh, out. And uh, you got out. upskill yourself, <laughs> upskill my technology skills. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> all right, all right, buddy. Well, love to the family, and we shall catch you. Yeah, up love soon. to you and yours,
1: mate. All the best. Take care, mate. See, See you. you. Right, pal. Bye bye.
0: So there you go team hope you enjoyed that i think that was it it was a great pod i know it's a little bit longer than usual and we will come back with part two and we'll talk about olympia um and how we started I mean, because obviously we didn't really get there because we were talking too much about other great stuff about behind the scenes and that, that. the stories about the olympics are amazing i've heard, often had good chats with james and um about that and you think like what we see today in the media of how big these superstars were they were just normal kids like back then just competing in the sport that they loved like Lomachenko and AJ and stuff like that what experiences James has had is unbelievable on the sport of boxing so guys if you would like to follow what we do our website is www.olympiaboxing.co.uk we're on facebook we have our page and community groups at Olympia Boxing CIC our Twitter and Instagram is at Olympia Boxing. If you could do us the great honor of rating and reviewing this podcast, this will enable our podcast to get out to a wider audience, and then we can um, we can talk more boxing with people, and people can benefit from us. We're always looking for more guests. If uh, if you'd like to come on talk about your club, or you're a teacher wanting to talk about boxing in schools, or you're a boxer wanting to tell your story, please get in contact because we are lining up some new guests and uh, like tell everyone's story and let's talk some boxing all right guys we'll see you next week have a good week Ta-da.